Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. I don't know if you know, but last week Leah Dirksen went on maternity leave. Missed her like crazy. She usually stands back there and tells me when to walk up. <laughs> no, I'm actually serious. And so they said to me, no, no, it's, it's no problem, Mike. There's a little blue light. All you need to do is uh, notice when that little blue light turns green. And I got distracted. And uh, it, it happened. <laughs> Dave said, silence your phones. That's true. Last week, somebody's watch was yelling at me from the second row, Siri. She says to me, I'm not kidding you, first service, she says, I don't have an app for that. <laughs> I said, God does, Siri, so I told her. I knew you'd be proud of me. Hey, listen, I wanna start off today with a story. There was this well-known and much-loved Jewish teacher named Rabbi Zusa. As he neared the end of his life, uh, large number of his former students gathered to offer comfort and honor for him. Just hours before he breathed his last breath, he sat up in bed and he started weeping. They gathered close, closer, they said, Rabbi Zusa, what's wrong? He said, into my heart, I just realized that when I get to heaven, God's not gonna ask me, why weren't you more like Abraham? Why weren't you more like Moses? Why weren't you more like King David? Instead, he will ask me the most difficult question. One of the students piped up and said, Rabbi Zusa, what is the most difficult question? He answered, God will ask me, why weren't you more like Zusa? I've been thinking about that all week. As I've been praying for you, whether you're joining us online or in person, I was reminded again that when you and I get to the end of our lives, I don't think it's gonna matter much to us how we stacked up, how we compared, how we measured up to other people. I think the most important thing for us is gonna to be to look back and realize, you know what? I was me. I was truly myself. And I guess I would ask you today, was there a time in your life when you lost you? Maybe you can look back as a small child and you remember times when you were just so energetic, so optimistic, so enthusiastic, so full of joy and passion. But then something happened. Something was said that should never have been said. Something was done that never should have been done and you lost you. Or, or maybe for you, it was as a teenager all this pressure to conform to what other people wanted you to be. You, you tried for a while to be yourself, but eventually you caved. And you would look back now and say, that's when I lost me. 
I don't know exactly what your story is. Maybe it was a moment of great regret that you wish that you could have back or a moment of great trauma that you feel has left a scar that you can never move past. But somewhere along the line, I wonder if you feel like he lost you. I wonder further whether there's moments in your life when you catch a glimpse of you again, the real you, the truest version of you. I wonder if there's moments in your life when you forget to be scared. You forget to be worried. You forget to conform. You forget to care so much about what other people think and and all of a sudden you look back and you say, in that moment, I was me. (laughs) I bring that up because one of the major reasons that we're preaching through the Old Testament book of Proverbs is because I believe God wants to take you and me on a journey. And if I had to express that journey in just a real simple statement, I would call it the road back to you. The road back to you. Let's jump into Proverbs chapter four, starting in verse 11. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. For they can't rest until they do evil. They are robbed of sleep till they make someone stumble. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They don't know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. I want to talk to you today about the road back to you the truest version of you, the, the, the you that the world desperately needs, the road back to you. Just have three points today, the choices, the signs, and the way. Number one, the choices. We've met two types of people so far in our preaching through Proverbs. We've talked about wise people and foolish people. And, and wise people actually are people who just live with wisdom. And we define wisdom as this, that wisdom is to discover and live in light of this pattern called Reality. I want to stop there for a second because I want to tell you something that I think you already know, but I want to make sure that you know it. I want you to know that there's a universal nature to reality, but there's also an individual nature to reality. In some ways, what's real for you is real for all of us, but in some ways, what's real for you is just real for you. Let me describe. The universal nature of reality includes something like gravity, Okay. What goes up must come down, works for all of us. You have a 47 inch vertical, let's say. And if you do, dude, that's so cool. I love it, I love it, I love it. But even for you, you you can defy gravity for a while, but eventually when you go up, you will come down. Gravity applies to all of us, okay? Nutrition is another one, right? Like if you live on Mountain Dew, Cool Ranch Doritos, and Sour Patch Kids your entire life, it's awesome, first of all, but it's probably not gonna go well for you health-wise, right? It's kind of universal. But, but there's an individual nature to reality too. I was thinking about this quote by Will Durant. It says this, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. Excellence, excellence, excellence. Well, you imagine that four months from now, you and me, we're sitting at the Sardis track, okay? 
We're at the Sardis track and we watched two women run 100 meter sprints, okay? One runs first and then the second one runs. And the first woman runs and she runs the 100 meter sprint in 10.99 seconds. The second woman then runs and she runs the 100 meter sprint in 47 seconds, okay? Now, if I asked you right now to tell me which one of those women was more excellent on that particular day, there's probably a big part of you that would say, well, obviously the, the first woman. And, and you'd be onto something, right? Like 10.99 seconds for 100 meters, that's just off of world record pace. Like if she can pull that off in Paris in July of this year, she has a great chance of winning the gold medal at the Paris Olympics. It's incredible. But I wanna tell you something about the second woman, the, the woman who ran the 100 meter sprint in 47 seconds. When she was born, she was born with a rare genetic disorder. The doctors told her parents that she would never walk. And she didn't walk until she was 15 years old after countless surgeries and thousands of hours of physio. The day that we watch her run, she's 21 years old. For the last six years, she's been building one step onto another step onto another step. Literally tens of thousands of hours of rehab and training. On the particular day that we watch her run the 100 meters in 47 seconds, she's never been able to cover more than 75 meters at a time until that day and she does it. She does 100 meters in 47 seconds. Now, if I asked you, which one of those women was more excellent on that particular day? You might change your mind. Doesn't really matter to me, it's just worth thinking about. You understand there's a universal nature to reality, but there's also an individual nature to reality. I heard someone say the other day, real men, I always get scared when someone says that, real men, real men work with their hands, you know what I mean? And I was thinking, man, I sure hope not. I sure, sure hope not. Like, don't get me wrong, like, when I see men and women who can build and fix things, I'm just in awe, I love it. So cool, so creative, so amazing. My problem is I can't do that. I'm not good at building and fixing things. In fact, if I try to fix something, I almost invariably make it substantially worse than when I arrived on the scene. <laughs> like, we thought we could fix this, now we're just gonna have to throw it away because Mike gave it a crack, okay? But when I see someone build or, or fix, I'm just in awe of their creative ability. But it got me thinking about you. See, your reality is different than mine. We were all born to create, by the way. You're a creative genius, in fact. I just don't know exactly what you, you were born to create and how you were born to create, but I know that you were. There's an individual nature to it. So I was praying this week, I thought, well, What's my creative ability? And I thought and I thought and I thought and I, and I prayed and I felt like God gave me a real short little phrase. I think that I've been given the creative ability to convey simple truth to complex people. You say, Mike, didn't you get that backwards? No, I said exactly how I heard it. I think I've been given the ability to convey simple truth to complex people. I wanna know what God made you to create, and what gifts he gave you. And that's a work of a lifetime, right? That's the discovery that we make on the road back to us. 
I really believe that Southside is that kind of church, by the way. We're a creative church. I, I think we're a church that conveys simple truth to complicated people. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful honor. It reminds me again that back in 2023, we established something called a culture of invitation. And I wanna suggest to you, let's continue that. Let's continue that because the world is full of complicated people, complex lives. Like even that little, little part of the sermon where I was talking about um, how, how, how you lost you and how I lost me and what that looks like for everybody is so complicated and so different. But what if we could get people through these doors and just tell them, hey, above all the complications, above all the distractions, all the discouragements, all the defeats, Jesus loves you. Nobody actually does. That changes everything. So I wanna make a suggestion to you that God's placed you in the proximity of people for a reason, because he loves them. I would ask you again, let's make this place a culture of invitation. Invite your friends, invite your family, invite your neighbors, invite people that God has brought into your life. I think this preaching through Proverbs is really gonna change our city. And, and, and the way that anything changes, the way a city changes is really simple. It's just one life, one story, one family at a time. You say, well, Mike, I can't really invite my friends and invite my family, there's not enough room. We'll figure something out, don't worry about that. So there's a, there's a universal aspect to reality, but there's also an individual aspect to reality. Okay, so we said, wise people discover and live in light of this pattern called reality. Foolish people, however, don't, okay? So we're talking today about the road back to you. Proverbs actually calls it the way of the wise, the way of the wise. So the way of the wise is we just walk step by step. Dave already talked about it. We walk step by step on this road back to us, back to the person I was created to be, the life that I was created to live. That's the way of the wise, according to Proverbs, okay? Wise people and foolish people are both on that path. Wise people are just moving. (laughs) Foolish people are stuck. We all got a little bit of wisdom in us. We all got a little bit of foolishness in us. The most foolish person you've ever met has some wisdom, right? Because you met them, they're alive, right? So at some point, they were on a 10th story balcony and they realized that while it might've been quicker to jump, it would be safer to take the stairs. There's a form of wisdom. And, and the wisest person you've ever met has some foolishness in them. Right? Like you sit down with your university professor and you're talking about the topic of your master's dissertation and you're just amazed that this guy is a guy and he's just so wise and he takes off his coat and you see right around his bicep is a barbed wire tattoo. You think, isn't that cute? You know, like in the 90s sometime, he decided, I want to be individual. I want to stand out from the crowd. I want to be unique. So along with 45 million other people in the 90s, he got a barbed wire tattoo. Okay, but here's the point. We all got a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of foolishness, but we're kind of on the same road, right? Wise people are moving on the road back to them uh, on on this path of wisdom. Foolish people are just kind of stuck. I'll bring that up because today we meet a third type of person, and that third type of person is called wicked. Wicked. It's a word with a lot of connotations, you know? Like back in the day, wicked was like good, 
Like that guy's wicked smart, wicked cool, wicked athletic, right? Like wicked, you're wicked. And that's like, wow, thank you so much, you know? But, but if you go back even further, it's not necessarily a great thing. It's like the wicked witch of the East, right? I don't really wanna have like warts on my chin and a pointy hat, so what exactly is that? Okay, well, well here's what it is. Wise people and foolish people are both on the same road. We call it the way of the wise, the, the road back to me. Wise people are moving along it. Foolish people are stuck. Wicked people are on a different road. It's called in Proverbs, the way of the wicked or the path of death. They're on a completely different road. Proverbs 4 says it this way. They can't rest until they do evil. They are robbed of sleep till they make someone stubble. In other words, when you are on the way of the wicked, you end up hurting yourself or hurting other people. You end up hurting yourself and hurting other people. I'll give you just a couple examples. The way of the wicked, the path of death. One example would be comparison. We talked earlier about how there's a universal aspect to reality, but there's also an individual aspect to reality, and so you need to be you and I need to be me. Okay, but comparison is an interesting thing because comparison starts real simply. You're just like, well, I know I'm gonna measure myself. I'm gonna compare myself to other people. That's how I'm gonna roll. That's how it's gonna work for me, right? So this is somebody who's driving around in an RV and they got a bumper sticker on the back and it says, whoever dies with the most toys wins. Okay, so somewhere along the line, they decide comparison is the way they're gonna define themselves. I wanna be more successful. I wanna be more wealthy. I wanna be uh, better looking. I wanna be more popular. I wanna be more. I just wanna be more than everyone. And that's how I will define myself. The problem with comparison is it's actually the way of the wicked. It's the path of death. Here's why. Because you know what comparison can lead to eventually, especially in 2024 in the social media age when someone always has more, someone's always better looking, someone's always more popular. You know what comparison can actually lead to? Something really, really ugly. The word is actually jealousy. I wonder if we understand how ugly jealousy actually is. Jealousy is I celebrate when others suffer. That's the end game of jealousy. That's kind of ugly, right? I celebrate when other people suffer. Or specific other people. And I mourn when they succeed. What I'm seeing is no one puts a bumper sticker on their RV that says whoever dies with most toys wins and thinks that's who I want to be one day. I, I just want to celebrate when other people suffer. Of course not. How'd they get there? Oh, they were just on the wrong road. Another example would be addiction. Addiction. Addiction is like entry level is, well, there's this substance that I just want to enjoy. There's this behavior I just want to indulge in, and it's fun. But then it becomes a habit, and then it becomes a hang-up, and eventually it could even become an addiction. And I, I was reading something the other day that talked about how you know you're addicted. Here's how you know that you're addicted, is when you indulge in a behavior or you use a substance, and you walk out of indulging that behavior or using that substance, and you feel really, really broken. And the only thing that you can think of to deal with your brokenness is to indulge in that same behavior and use that same substance again. 
For many of you online and in person right now, I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. You've been there, you've done that. It started out pretty innocent, right? But it ends up being the way of the wicked, the path of death, because you end up in this place where you're saying things, you're doing things, you're hurting yourself, you're hurting other people in ways that you never would have dreamed of. It's not you. So I wanna stop before I go any further and suggest that there's a lot of different kinds of addiction. Can be food, can be sex, can be entertainment, can be pornography, can be drinking, can be drugs, whatever. Here's the definition again. I've indulged in this behavior. I've used this substance. I walk away feeling broken. The only way I can think of dealing with the brokenness is to indulge in that behavior or use that substance again. If that's you today, I feel like God gave me a word for you. Because I think somewhere along the line, you've decided this is how your story ends. And I wanna tell you, listen to me very carefully. This is not how your story ends. It's not. So I'll tell you, we wanna come alongside you. We wanna help you. We wanna cheer you on. We want to do everything we can to do our part. But I'll tell you right now, I guarantee you, this is not how your story is going to end. So do me a huge favor. Let us help Text the keyword HOPE to 604-670-3040. I know we have all these keywords, right? But it's just our way of, it's just a way that we can communicate and get connected with you. So please do that. I know it's a courageous thing to do, but if that's you, if that's where you're at, or if that's where you're nearing, let's go. This isn't how your story ends. So there's wise people. We all got a little bit of wise person in us. There's foolish people. We're all a little bit of foolish. And here's the thing. There's wicked people, and there's parts of your life, there's parts of my life that we're veering towards the wicked. <clears throat> so now I wanna talk about the second thing. I wanna talk about the signs. How, how would I know that there's an area of my life that I'm starting down the way of the wicked, the path of death? I wanna give you three simple signs. Three simple signs. I, I picked them because they each have a test that is flat out easy. Well, the first two are flat out easy. The third one's a little tougher, but anyways, let me just tell you what they are. Three signs. <clears throat> If you see in your life kindness, humility, and gratitude, you're on the right track. If you see in your life kindness, humility, and gratitude, you're on the road back to you. You might not be there yet, you still got a little ways to go, but you're on the right track. If you don't, in at least a part of your life, you're off course. Kindness, simple test for kindness. How do you treat people who can do nothing for you? How do you treat people who can do nothing for you? One easy example would be a waiter or a waitress. How do you treat waitresses? How do you treat waiters? When you're sitting at the table having a conversation and they walk up, do you acknowledge them? Or are they a bother? Years ago, I took my four sons out for breakfast. I don't know what Corinne and the girls were doing that morning, but it was just me and the boys out for breakfast. And I can't really get into the uh, full story, but let me just tell you, our waitress on this particular morning had an absolute shocker, an absolute shock. She completely biffed it. Anything you can imagine that you can do wrong when a guy takes his four kids out for breakfast, she did wrong. She <laughs> messed everything up. So at the end of her meal, for those of us who actually got to eat, she brought the bill over. And I was deciding what to tip her. 
And so I prayed about it because I'm spiritual. Don't you pray about stuff like that? No, I, 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 don't, I don't normally pray about something like that. I don't. But it was just tough. She had such a shocker, and, and I was just like, I, I don't know what to do. And so I prayed. And I felt like God tangibly asked me a question right to my heart. Here was the question. Do you think she's having a good day or a bad day? I thought, oh, bad day. And then God asked, do you want to make it better or do you want to make it worse? See, be kind, everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Be kind, everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Be kind. You want to make it better or you want to make it worse? I thought I want to make it better, so I gave her like a a really big tip. And I remember walking out of the restaurant that morning. By the way, I did not recognize this woman at all. I would have sworn to you that I had never seen her in my entire life, okay? I'm walking out of the restaurant. I open the door to walk out, and she says, see you Sunday, Pastor Mike. (laughs) You say, aren't you glad you tipped her? (laughs) I sure am. I sure am. Partly because she was coming to church that Sunday, but I hope, I hope mostly, because it shows me that I'm on the right track, that I'm leaning towards kind. Does that make sense? Here's a second test. Oh, so by the way, if you see that in your life, if you see kindness in your life, not perfect, but if you see that you lean towards kindness, I think you're on the right track. If you don't, if you don't do a good job of treating people well who can do nothing for you, you might be off track, and I'm gonna talk to you in a few minutes about how you can fix that today. Second, are you humble? Are you humble? Easy test for, for that, are you humble? Is just ask yourself this question. When's the last time you've issued an apology? Because I know you're amazing, but we all, we all have lots of opportunities to say sorry, right? Me more than you, but all of us do. And when I say the last time you issued an apology, I don't mean fake apologies, okay? Like if you can remember ever saying this, like in the last little while, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Slap yourself upside the head right now. I'm so sorry that you took it that way. It's not an apology, it's such a weird thing to say. Stop doing that. What I mean is, what I mean is actually an apology, right? Like, I was wrong, I'm so sorry. I would say, if you're a normal human being who messes up from time to time and you can remember a few examples of saying that you are sorry, you're on the right track. You're not perfect, but you're on the right track. If you can't remember the last time that you've issued a sincere apology to anybody, I would just say this. You're on the wrong track in some area of your life. We can fix it, but you should be aware of it. Third test. Are you grateful? This one's a little more complicated. You're gonna have to get other people involved. You're gonna have to ask some people close to you, am I a grateful person? Am I a grateful person, right? Or am I kinda like full of self-pity, complaining and resentment all the time? Am I grateful or am I self-pity? We don't always recognize that in ourselves, but you need to ask a few people you can trust. Am I grateful or am I full of self-pity? And if their answer is you are a grateful person, good news, by the way, it's the number one Co-relative factor which determines whether or not you live a happy life. Did you know that? Grateful people are happy. In addition to that, if they would say, you know what, you are a grateful person, I think you're on the right track. You're on the road back to you. 
It's the way of the wise. If, however, they would say, well, you want me to be honest? And you say, oh, okay. And they say, you're kind of self-pity guy. You're kind of like complaining girl. You're on the wrong track. We can sort it out, but it's good to be aware of it, right? Okay, so again, this journey of a lifetime, right? This journey of a lifetime. The road back to you. The road back to you. What are the choices? The choices are we can be wise. Wise people are, are traveling down that road step by step, as Dave already said. Foolish people are on the same road, but they're just kind of stuck. You know what I mean? They keep on messing up. We all got a little bit of wise and a little bit of foolish. There's a third choice, and that's the wicked. They're not on that road. They're not on that road. So those are the choices. What are the signs? The signs are, just ask yourself, am I kind? Am I humble? Am I grateful? And finally, what's the way? What's the way? I ask that because no one that I know of <clears throat> wakes up one day, you know, grade five assignment. What do you wanna be when you grow up? I, I wanna, I want. I, I don't know, like this could be crazy. It, it, it might be too much to dream for, but I just really wanna travel down the path of death hurt other people and hurt myself. That's just kind of the dream. No one wants that. No one wants that. So how do we end up going the wrong way? How do we choose the way of the wicked? Here's how, there's only one possible answer. Here it is. We don't know the way of the wicked is the way of the wicked. We think it's the way of the wise. We think it's the road to life, but it's the path to death. No one travels down that road going, I just want to destroy myself and destroy other people. We, we would never do that. <clears throat> we start down the road because we think that something else is the way. We, we, we think that if we go this way, we're headed towards life, but we're not. I'll give you some examples to make it more clear. In our culture, we are told in this consumeristic uh, society we live in, we are told that money will buy you happiness, okay? Now, innately, we kind of know that it won't, right? Like, we get that. There's all sorts of empirical studies, we get it. I, I heard one the other day, listen to this. They said, um, the amount of money spent on an engagement ring has an inverse relationship to the length of the marriage. After a certain point, okay? Like, the more, after a certain... After a certain point, the more money you spend on the engagement ring, the shorter your marriage, according to studies. Now, after a certain point, I said cheapskate, okay? I'm, I'm not talking, okay? So according to these studies, if you spend 45 grand on an engagement ring, statistically speaking, your marriage isn't gonna last very long, okay? Basically, we all get it. Like, money doesn't buy you happiness. And yet the problem is, we kind of live as if it does. We kind of live as if it does. What's going on? We've been told, we've been convinced somehow, this is the way. This is the way. This is the road to life. This is the road back to me. This is the way. What is money? Money's the way. Money is the way. This is the way. And, and of course, if you buy into that, where money becomes the way, well, you just end up hurting yourself and hurting other people. You end up isolated, even in a group of people. And now when you meet somebody, <laughs> they're not a person to get to know and to love. What do they become? A means to an end. Because this is the way. For others, it's not money. 
I was trying to think of a way to describe it in our, in our culture. I'll say comfort. For, for a lot of us, for a lot of people in our culture, comfort is the way. That, that every decision that I make is because I got my heart, I got my heart set on comfort. I got my heart set on comfort. Proverbs 4 says this, above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart because everything you do springs from it. Above all else, guard your heart. But I got my heart set on comfort. We got a lot of people in our culture who got their heart set on comfort. So every decision I make then is how do I, how do I keep it the most easy, the most comfortable? And you say, well, what does that look like, Mike? It looks like an entire culture completely held hostage by anxiety. with a complete inability to rise up to the occasion. Like we, we, we sometimes like to make fun of, of younger people. We say, oh, they got all, all that social anxiety. Like you call them and they never answer their phone. Have you noticed that? You call, you call them and then they text you back and say, what's up? And I'm like, well, um, what's up is that I just called you. That, that's, that's what I was doing just now. I just called you on the phone. That was, okay. But, but the thing is, we're, we're pretty anxious culture. <clears throat> and it's just because of this. For generations now, there's been a segment of society that thinks this is the way, comfort is the way. And it kind of ends with us paralyzed in fear, and that's not who you are. So when an opportunity arises, you can't take it. When it's time to step up, you can't do it. For other, it's romance, you know? The old Jerry Maguire line, he says to her, you complete me. You complete me. Romance, romance, romance is the way. You just gotta meet her. You just gotta meet him. It's just, that's, you complete me. You complete me. What's the way? The way is romance. The way is finding him, finding her. They will complete you. It, it's a weird concept, isn't it? Like we're walking around like as, as half a human being and we just gotta find this other person and somehow they're gonna make everything all right, which of course they can't do. That's the problem. They're, they're incapable. And so what ends up happening is on one hand, you got some people, they're like, uh, they, they, they don't even wanna date or they, they don't wanna get married because they can't find anybody that could possibly do that. Other people, what they do when, when romance is the way, they get married real quick. Because after all, I'm just a half human being until I find that certain someone. And then they get married to this person, they look at them and go, you breathe weird, man. Like you drive me nuts. And, and the reason why they drive you nuts is what? They can't hold up under the weight of your expectations. You are living your life going, this is the way, but they're not the way. For some, it's family. You know, my kids are the way. My kids are the way. By the way, it's great to have kids. It's great to be a good parent. But man, when, when your kids become the way, they can't hold up under that. So you got parents that are just like, they over-function. What do you call the helicopter parents nowadays, right? Helicopter parents? They just control everything. Or, or you got parents that under-function. You got parents that under-function. They're, they're scared to ever like, disagree or discipline their kids because they're so scared that their kids will get mad. You got others where, where family becomes the way, it becomes everything to them, which is kind of scary too because again, let me, let me be, family is great, but when you think family is the way, sometimes it can absorb everything else out of your life. We talked earlier about how you're creative, like you were born to create, you were born to build, you, you were born to make a difference in this world. And part of that is your family, but what I, what I see some people do is they get so absorbed that their family is the way that everything else just falls by the wayside. They put a half-hearted effort into everything else they do, including their work, which is their opportunity. 
to put a stamp of excellence on their day that other people can see. And for some, it's the opposite. What's the way, what's the way? Well, I've set my heart on winning. I've set my heart on winning. I've set my heart on success. And for a lot of us, that ends up being work. And so I'm convinced, like, I don't know, like if I win at work, I win. I win in life and it'll, it'll all be okay. <clears throat> and the problem is, it, like, my work can't stand up underneath those expectations. And what's weird about you and me is when we try something like that and we go, oh, it's not working. Like, I don't feel that much better about myself. Instead of going, well, I'm gonna try something else, what do we often do? We just double down. It's called workaholism. Just try harder and harder and harder and harder. And, and Solomon says, hey, guard your heart. <clears throat> guard your heart. He says this, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They don't even know what makes them stumble. Do you get what I'm saying? Like you're, you, you, you're on this path called death. You're, you're in the way, you never meant to be here. This was never your dream. This was never your goal. This was never your aspiration. What happened? You set your heart on the wrong thing. It kind of reminds me of this. Like you spend your whole life climbing this ladder, climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing with everything you got. And then you reach the end of your life and you realize all those years, the ladder was leaned against the wrong wall. So what's the answer? What's the answer? What's, what, what, what's, what's the way? What's the way to get back on the road back to you? It's real simple because there was a time in the Gospels, in, in the Gospel of John specifically, Jesus' disciples were looking at him going, Jesus, life is so complicated. It's so complex. Like how do we get saved? How do we figure life out? How, how, how do we really live? How, how do we experience salvation? How do we step into the road back to me? How, how do we experience this thing called the kingdom of God? What's the way? And Jesus said, oh, that's simple. So let me tell you, complicated people with complicated lives, Jesus said, a simple answer. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way, that's it. Only Jesus could possibly ever stand up under the weight of your expectations. There's a principle that you learn in Proverbs. It's the reordering of disordered desires. Here's what I mean by that. There's nothing wrong with money. You ever heard a church person say, money's evil? No, it's not, money's awesome. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with family, obviously. There's nothing wrong with sex. There's nothing wrong with romance. There's nothing wrong with work. None of that stuff is wrong unless it becomes disordered. When, when desires become disordered, all of a sudden they become the way. They become the way when they were never meant to be the way. Jesus says, how about this? I'm the way. <clears throat> set your heart on me and then everything else falls into place. Money makes sense. When you set your heart on Jesus, money starts to make sense. All of a sudden money is a blessing. Are you kidding me? It's a blessing. You're so thankful for it. You use it to enjoy and to be generous with. Comfort is a blessing, those moments of comfort that we have. But when Jesus is first, you understand that there will be a moment that you have to step up. There will be an opportunity that you have to step into. There will be a time that you have to be bold and you will be bold, you know why? Because you'll know that he's gone before you into this moment and he stands right beside you. You got this. When you reorder your disordered desires, everything makes sense. 
instead of looking around for that person who will complete you, you understand Jesus completes you, right? So, so, so you're not looking, you don't meet that certain someone and go, uh, I need, 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 I need. No, 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 you don't. God's meeting your needs, so you can actually, you can actually do this. You know what you can do when, when you understand God meets your needs? You, you know what you can actually do? You can love somebody. <sighs> How cool is that? Reorder your disordered desires. If you would sit here today and you would go, you know what? I don't always feel kind. I don't always feel grateful. I, I don't always feel humble. I don't know if I'm on the right track. There's a simple fix. Reorder your disorder desires. Put him first. So before I close, again, I've been praying all week for you. And I thought I would tell you one of the things that I've been praying. I've been praying that we would have a moment. I've been praying that we would have a moment. That if you're here today and you're just checking out the whole Jesus thing, that we would have a moment, that you would at least begin to ask yourself, is it true that nothing in this world can really stand up underneath the weight of my expectations? Is there a better way? That's so cool. <clears throat> or maybe today is the day that you're gonna make him first. For the first time in your life, you're gonna say, Jesus, you know what? I get it. Or maybe you've been in church your entire life, and today you're gonna have this moment when you realize, man, there are certain ways, I, I, I'm sliding off track a little bit, I, I, I need to make him first again. But there's two things I've been praying for you. Number one, that we would have a moment, that God would show up into this spectacular moment. But I've been praying one more thing for you. I've been praying for momentum. That you would take this moment and you would turn it into momentum. And let me say, I can't do that for you and he won't do that for you either. Remember that song, Jesus Take the Wheel? It's dumb, it doesn't work, he won't. It doesn't work that way. He's not gonna carjack your life, he just won't but he's faithful. And so what if we took this moment and turned it into momentum? What if we just took some simple steps? Because I think he meets us in the momentum. He meets us in this moment, but he also meets us in the momentum. So, so I, I told you last week, I said, number one, let's make church attendance a priority. I love it, I love it, I love it. And, and I'll say again, let's make this an invitation culture. What a kind thing for you to do, to invite someone to church. What if they say no? Cool. What a kind thing for you to do. What a humble thing for you to do to look at somebody and say, I can't fix every problem that you have, but I know someone who can help you. And you invite him to church. What a humble thing to do. What a grateful thing to do when you say, Jesus, after everything you've done for me, I'm gonna see you do that in someone else's life too. Second, when you get in your car this week, do me a big favor. Before you turn on your podcast or you turn on your music, just a few times this week, maybe more, can you just leave it off? can you just spend some time this week in silence and just pray this simple prayer? Jesus, let me know that you love me. Let me know that you love me. And he will, and he will. And the one more that I wanted to add this week is for you, if you have not yet been baptized, I listened to Dave talk about that and I just wanna say this. <clears throat> if you have not yet been baptized as a believer in Jesus, you've been following Jesus for a week or for 45 years, and you've not yet been baptized as a believer, that's how you gain momentum. You just trust him and say, Jesus, I just wanna take one little step on this road back to me. So if you haven't signed up for baptism yet, I would love it if you would do that. I think the key word is dunk, actually. 
such a Mike Manis word to use for baptism, but just text the keyword DUNK, D-U-N-K to 604, you know the number. Let's pray. In this moment, first thing I wanna ask you is this, is today your day? Jesus loves you, I know that. He stepped into human history for you because he cares. He died for you so that today, in this moment, you could receive forgiveness. You could move past your past. You could have a clean slate and a new beginning today, right now. That's the deal. He didn't just die for you, he rose again for you. And as he stepped out of that empty tomb, his promise is that as we follow him, we'll follow him into life, the life that you were meant to live today, tomorrow, and forever. Everything that needed to be done for your salvation, for your forgiveness, for your eternity has already been done. The ball is in your court. So with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if that's you today and you wanna take that step, do you wanna raise your hand nice and high right now? Because I wanna pray for you right now. It's amazing. You can put your hands down. Let's pray. So Jesus, thank you. Today I begin the road back to me, the me that I was created to be. I thank you that you died on the cross for my forgiveness. I accept your forgiveness and I accept a clean slate and a fresh start right now. And Jesus, thank you that you rose again. I accept your gift of life today, tomorrow, and forever. And now, Jesus, I pray for the rest of us. For those of us who have been in church for years or decades, we just wanna take this moment, Jesus. We wanna take this moment right now and we wanna tell you, we wanna humbly confess to you again, we need you. You are the way. If there's an area of our lives where we're getting off track, Today, we hand it back to you. Thank you, Jesus, that when we give you everything, when we put you first, everything else makes sense. We love you, we trust you in your name. Amen, amen. Let's celebrate. I love you guys, we'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.